You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Victory Baptist Church. At Victory, we work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. And now, here's this week's sermon. Well, hi, everybody. Hi. It's sure good to see all of you. I'm glad to be here. I talked to Terry on the phone a while ago. You want to know where I was? <laughs> I uh, said so it took me longer to get here than I thought it would. Traffic kind of held me up. But I'm sure glad to be here with you today. Thank God for this privilege. Good to see all of you. See some new faces and see some folks I've seen before. But it's really good to see all of you. I was uh, preaching uh, a few weeks ago uh, at a place that has a pretty high platform. And I preached there for many, many years. In fact, I preached there for decades off and on. Uh, but the stairs coming up, there's probably about 10 stairs coming up to the platform, all told. And when I first started preaching there, many, many years ago, I never gave that a thought. But when I was there the other day speaking, I was sitting where I am here. I was sitting on the front row. I looked at those stairs, and that was a real challenge, you know. <laughs> I thought, I can do this. I, I've had... Uh, knee replacement surgery, so uh, now when I go upstairs, you know, it's a, it's a different ballgame. I'm sure glad to be with you. Our ministry is named Pray Incorporated, and we uh, preach in this country and other countries and try to bring people to Christ. That's our burden, to go in the loss to Christ. And uh, I think you did a good job. Yeah, uh, enjoyed that. Yes, sir. A young whippersnapper like you are, you keep practicing, you'll get pretty good. Huh? <laughs> but at any rate, uh, so we we travel all over. Of course, now since this COVID-19 thing has hit, uh, it has uh, really curtailed our overseas ministry and preaching in different countries. Uh, we had... Uh, plan to go to the Philippines. In fact, we had raised money for it. I think we had sent you folks a letter uh, telling about the, the meeting in the Philippines. And we had many plans for that. We were going to speak in the public schools and, and uh, numerous churches and also in the civic auditoriums. So we were really excited about it. We were hoping that we would see uh, many, many people come to Christ and their, their churches increase in numbers. But when the COVID-19 thing hit, that all stopped. In fact, uh, the Philippines is really taking it on the chin when it comes to the COVID-19 thing. They, they're really uh, having a hard time. And so not only was that an issue going over there to speak with uh, the virus taking its toll there, but also, we were concerned about going over there about getting back to the States because we were afraid that they wouldn't let us back into the country and we would have to go fly to another country that they would let come in and then stay there a few days and then come in, which would be quite expensive. So we, uh, after we talked to our board and, and uh, to the pastors over in the Philippines, we decided to put that off. So now we are working on a crusade, a crusade, and maybe we're not saying I'm not saying we're going. I'm saying we're looking into it uh, to go to Malawi, which is in Africa. I've been 
here before a number of years ago. And uh, we're, we think the doors may be open there. And we've certainly been invited. And if we can work out everything where we feel like it's safe for us to go and safe for us to get back home when we're through ministering, then uh, we're going to try to go there. So y'all pray for us that God will open doors because I'm really itchy to, to get going here. Uh, the Lord has been real good to me. I've been invited to numerous churches and places to speak, camps and conference grounds and so on in this country. So that's been great and I love it. Uh, but my burden is to see people come to Christ. And so we would like to have projects supported by you where we can see the lost come to Christ in a greater number. So you pray with us about that, that the Lord will help with that. Okay, if you got your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Peter, let's see, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Well, our text will be verse 9, but we'll look at a couple of verses before that. Okay, let's bow in prayer. Dear Lord, please help now as I speak, and Lord, please help me to say what I ought to say. Let it be an encouragement to the folks that are here, and Lord, speak to our hearts and, and encourage us, we pray in Jesus' name. Now here the Apostle Peter is talking and he he's, uh, uh, talks about the fact that uh, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Verse 5, he says that we also are lively stones are built upon a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, <coughs> excuse me, acceptable to God uh, by Jesus Christ. Then he talks about... Uh, and we look at verse 8. He talks about that those who don't know Christ and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That's how they perceive Christianity and Jesus Christ. Even to them would stumble at the word, that be the Bible, being disobedient whereunto they were appointed. Then we get down to verse 9. This is a wonderful verse for us, a great encouragement. And it says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. So here we see that when we receive salvation, God did so many things for us besides simply forgiving us of our sins and giving us eternal life. Of course, that's the big ball game. Now, I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, people who are, people like Pastor Terry, who really know a lot about the Bible and study it and have great knowledge, uh, they, people like that, have come up they kind of argue about it, but they come up with maybe 16 or 18 things that God does for us at the moment we come to Christ. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? 16 to 18 things that right there on the spot when we accept Christ, 
that he does for us. And here we see several of these things listed. So let's look back down at verse 9. You're a chosen generation. Now let me just mention the word generation very briefly because I don't want to spend time talking about that. The generation here is not 25 years or father to son type generation. This generation is talking about the generation we live in in the church age or the age of grace. From starting from back when Christ was at the Pentecost and then on until the rapture or when Christ comes back. And so this is a dispensation. Uh, dispensation means a period of time. And here uh, Peter is calling it a generation. Because you've got to remember also that these early writers and apostles in the first century, they didn't know that 2,000 plus years were going to go by before Christ would come back. They thought that he was going to come back in their lifetime. Paul, Paul even said that. He thought that Christ was coming back in his lifetime. So he's talking about a generation here of this dispensation of this period of time. And then he says, we are a chosen generation. That means that God picked us out. He chose us when he knew that we would come to Christ if we could come to Christ. When we heard the word of God, when we read the Bible, when somebody explained it to us, that we would receive Christ. Other people won't. But we would receive Christ. And God said, okay, I'll choose you to be my child. I'll choose you for salvation. And we're a chosen generation. And that's really exciting when you think about the fact that God has chosen us. And here's the one. Oh, and let's just look at a verse that goes along with that, okay? Back in the Old Testament, if you got your Bible, turn to Jeremiah, and I'll give you time to find it if you need to, to, to find it. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. This is the verse that many of us use when we talk about the, the crime of uh, abortion. We often use uh, verses like this. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Everybody pretty much got it? Okay. Verse 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And here, this is talking specifically about Jeremiah, but the point is that even before we were conceived in our mother's womb, even before we grew in our mother's womb, God had already chosen us, picked out, and he had a special task and a special ministry for you and me. That's really exciting. You think about it, gang. God chose you and me to be born at a certain time, in a certain place, in a certain country, in a certain culture, in a certain language, and he gave us the years that we would need to have for God to do through us what he wanted to do through us, and he gave us special abilities, which we call in the church gifts. A gift is something that is given to somebody. You don't buy it or earn it or work for it. You just receive it. We have certain gifts 
And a gift is an ability that you and I couldn't do in our own strength, our own ability, but God gives it to us. And uh, there are wonderful books on this and teaching on this, and I'm sure your pastor's talked to you about the different gifts that we have. And some, some analogy is to the building of a building, and we're the bricks that go together to build a building, and we all fit together. Uh, another analogy is the body, where we have different organs in the body, and all those organs work together to make the body function. So here in this church, we see that. There are different gifts or different abilities, different burdens, different ways of doing things. And my burden might be that of an evangelist, and I want to go out and see as many people as I can come to Christ. And the young man who just came up and introduced me a while ago, his burden was the fact that I'm going to get them in the right kind of church and see if they get taught the Bible. See, that's, all, that's, all, that's really exciting because it's God working together for all of us and through all of us. So that makes us dependent on God and interdependent on one another. I can't do what I do without you because you give me the money and pray for me to go do what I do. But on the other hand, if it wasn't for me, there'd be a lot of people around the world who wouldn't come to Christ. So it all works together. And isn't that exciting that God chose you to be who you are and to do what you do and to have the burden that you have. I read a story about a little lady who, when she got up in her middle age years, she became an invalid. She had physical problems that precluded her from getting out and being active. She couldn't even go to church. She was stuck in her little apartment, and in this town where she lived, she had an upstairs little room that she lived in. That's all she had, a little poor lady. And she had to have people come in every day and just to help her get things done, clean her house and so on, get her help her to eat and so on. And she was crippled for decades. And she looked out the window, and especially on the weekends there, she had her little place was upstairs in a building that was in downtown in her town. And she saw the young people of her town and the lifestyle that they were living and the fact that they were living in sin and it broke her heart. She so badly wanted them to know Christ. She began a ministry of intercessory prayer. And for days and for weeks and for months and for years and for decades, in fact, 20 years, she prayed for God to bring someone in to call the young people of her town to Christ. And there was a man named D.O. Moody who was an evangelist. And after that little lady prayed for 20 years, he came to her town and held a crusade for Christ. And the entire town was swept for Christ. Everybody knew about what Moody did through his preaching, but not very many people knew what that little lady did through her praying. But God knew. And God has chosen you. God has given you the right time and the right place and the right language and the right culture. Everything that you need to do what God wants you to do, He's got a plan for your life. He chose you. The Bible says that through the foolishness of preaching, 
men should come to repentance. And in this particular passage, the word preaching means witnessing, doing God's word. The foolishness of preaching or witnessing or talking about Christ or showing Christ. Men should come to repentance. I don't understand all of it, and I know that God will explain it to us when we get to glory. But God has chosen to work through you and me to do his work here on this earth. I, I don't understand, and I don't mean this to be facetious. I'm not trying to be cute or, or make a joke out of it. I really don't know why he's chosen us because uh, we're, we're not all that great, are we? Uh, we really, we're not. I mean, we just struggle to do right ourselves. But God has chosen to work through you and me to do his work here on earth. Why? I, I, I was wondering, why didn't God send his angels? Can you imagine? You know, when you see people who don't know much about angels, you always have a little girly angel with wings and, and, and a heart and this kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, when you read about angels in the Bible, every time a person saw an angel, what they do? Fell flat on their face. I mean, they are awesome, awesome created beings of God. And uh, uh, they're fearful. And if God would send his angels, man, talk about having an impact. Uh, no, God didn't do that. He chose you. Does that make any of what your past is? Does that make any of what the mistakes are you made? Does that make any difference so what somebody thinks about you? Don't make a difference if you're not educated. God chose you. I'd rather be chosen when you than be fancy. I'd rather be chosen. God's got something for you. So don't let yourself get discouraged. Don't let Satan knock you down. God chose you. You're special. We're going to talk more about how special you are in Christ. You're special. And you know, I've just kind of evolved in this in recent years. But I think that not only does God use us because He chooses us day by day, but I think that sometimes God prepares us for a lifetime for something special that God wants us to be a part of that we have no clue about. You really think about that. I should have looked this up. I just was thinking about this a little bit ago. So I'm not going to be able to give you all the facts. But you know the story about when Jesus <clears throat> sent the disciples out uh, in the fishing boat uh, by themselves and he told them where to go. He said, I want you to go over to the, across the Sea of Galilee over here to this port. And then the storm came and Jesus wasn't there. And the disciples were petrified. Once before there had been a storm, but Jesus was in the boat. He was asleep in the boat, but he was in the boat. This time he wasn't even there. And they were petrified. And then Jesus came walking on the water, and Peter said, boy, I'd like to do that. And Jesus said, well, come on, give it a try. And he got out, and he came walking on the water, and then he went down, and 
But you, you all know all that story. Next time you read that story, I want to look up something that's really interesting about that story. Jesus told the disciples where he wanted them to go, and they were headed that direction. When they finally got to shore with Jesus now in the boat, when they finally got to shore, it wasn't where Jesus told them to go. It was another destination. Don't you think that's interesting? Because he told them where he wanted them to go, but he knew that's not where they would wind up. And with him in the boat, they did wind up at another destination. You say, well, what's, a, you know, what's your point, Brother Pete? Well, my point is that most of us think that we know when we're young, young, young Christians or maybe young people and young Christians, we think we know what God wants us to do, especially in my world. You know, where I went to a Christian college and everybody was going to be a pastor or a missionary or, or uh, you know, whatever. They all knew, you know, God called me to be a pastor. But actually, it's kind of interesting that we rarely wind up where we start out to go. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, you take, two, here's two guys that go to a, a Bible college or Bible school or whatever it is. And they, they're buddies, and they both feel like God wants them to be a pastor, and they, uh, they, they launch out to be in the ministry, and they do both become pastors, but their ministries are completely different. Let's say one guy uh, just kind of stumbles into a, a radio program. He decides, well, I think I'll have a, a radio program. Uh, that way I can teach the Bible and help people and promote our church. And so he begins to be on a weekly radio program, and then he gets an opportunity and expands the weekly uh, uh, radio program to five days a week and then to seven days a week. And, and then he gets a staff and people to help him, and letters come in and support comes in, and, and that whole thing grows. And after 20 years, that's his main ministry. He may still be a pastor, but his burden and what he's doing and what God had ordained him to do and called him to do and prepared him to do and wanted him to do was being a ministry that he never gave a thought about when he was in Bible school. Interesting, isn't it? And so for many of us, we're not doing now for the Lord what we thought we would do when we were 18 years old or 20 or whatever. But God's chosen you. God's got a plan for you. And you're special. Now, I want to say this one other thing. I'll give a little caveat about this until we move on. We don't have to uh, do what God chooses us to do. That's a remarkable thing about God. He chose us, but he's not going to force us. That's our ballgame. It's really important that we just keep doing what God wants us to do. Remember uh, Esther? I think I've even taught here about Esther. Remember about Esther and Mordecai? And uh, he said to Esther, he said, you know, who knows, but God didn't put you in the king's palace 
for the express purpose of saving his people, the Jewish people, which there was a guy named Haman that was trying to have them all murdered. And Mordecai said, who knows that God did not choose you for this one special thing. And then he said to her, but you better do it because if you don't, you'll get somebody else. And if we don't do what God ordained us to do, what, he, what he's got planned for us, he'll get somebody else. And I want to say this one thing, and I said this while ago, and then I kind of drifted away from it. Sometimes I think there is some one particular special thing, like with Esther, that God has for us to do, and we don't know what it is, and probably won't know about it until we get to glory. There may be somebody out there that you said a word to that was discouraged, and you gave them some scriptures, and you just prayed with them, or you said something to them, and you went on, and you basically almost forgotten about it by now. That was seven years ago. And that turned that person's life around. Maybe that person was thinking about committing suicide. Maybe that person was thinking about ending it all. Maybe that person was so discouraged, so despondent, they were ready to give up. God sent you by to say the right thing. And if I had been there, I wouldn't have said what they needed to hear. God sent you because he knew you would say what they needed to hear. And God has prepared you for decades for that moment. Your path, your life, your world, you're studying other scriptures, your burden, God put it all together. And you changed the outcome of that person's life in a 10-minute conversation. And now today... That same person, and you don't even know this, is being used of God in a mighty way. And God used you to be the instrument to turn them around and set them on the right path. You just don't know. And we won't know until we see the Lord. And we'll go, wow, I have no idea. I have no clue. So God's ordained you. It really makes us special. Then I look back down at verse 9 there. Another thing. We're not only chosen, but we're a royal priesthood. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> when you and I came to Christ, <clears throat> one of those things I said, you know, that the big fancy Bible teachers have studied, say they're 16 or 18, or some of them even say 20-something. Things that God does for us the moment we come to Christ. One of the things that he does for us is he places us in his family. We become his child. That's really amazing. I mean, you are literally the child of God. You're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're an heir. What's an heir? An heir is the person that receives the inheritance. You are special to God. And he has placed you in his family. He didn't have to do that. He could have just forgiven you of your sins, given you eternal life, and that would be the end of it. But he decided to take another step because he loves us. For God so loved the world. He loves us. So he decided to do something special for you. He decided to place you 
in his family. That makes you and me pretty tall cotton. That's really something. Just think about that. You guys are a prince. Now, I got to tell you, looking around this crowd, I don't see anybody here that look too much like a prince. <laughs> but you are. And one day you'll look like one. And you gals here, you're a princess. Isn't that exciting? Just think how special it's going to be when we get home to glory. We'd be home. That's our kingdom. That's where we're royalty. It's going to be so special. Just, just think if, um, if uh, right here in Castle Grand, <clears throat> if for some reason there was something going on, a big deal going on, and Prince William and Kate were to come here, wouldn't that be something? Wow. And we'd all go down to see them, you know, as they drive down <clears throat> the street. And we'd all get around. We'd watch. Why? They're royalty. And the Prince Kate, I think she's probably the best one of the bunch there anyway. But Prince Kate would get out, we would look at her, and say, wow. That's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And look how she's dressed. Wow. Man, such beautiful clothes. And look at that jewelry she has. And she walks with such a sophistication. She's just something special. Well, I got news for you. So are you. And the, uh, the kingdom that's in Britain could fall at any time. But the kingdom you're a part of, the kingdom that you're a prince and a princess of, that, that kingdom will never fall. And you're really special. And remember, uh, that uh, we have a place prepared for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again, receive you unto myself, but where I am, there you may be also. He's got a place all fixed up, right? And he, he is the, uh, the architect. He's the engineer. He's the carpenter. And he's made all for us. And you know, when, when it comes time for us to pass away, I, I guess this is kind of nice that we have people that love us and don't want us to leave them here. They want us to stay with them. And we have a loved one, and they're, they're about to pass away. And I often have people come to me and say, will you please pray for my loved one, whoever it is, that God will heal them, that God will give them added years. But that's not how they look at it in heaven at all. Blessed in the sight of the Lord are the death of a saint. And just think about 
here you are in the hospital and your loved ones are gathered around you and they're all praying for you that God will do some miracle. Meanwhile, up in glory, boy, it's all just the fuss is going on, making the last, getting everything just right for you to arrive home. Yeah. Now we understand she, he's coming tomorrow to be here about 2.30. Hey, is everything ready? Yeah, they did a final inspection of, of his place. It's all right. Everything's great. It's ready. It's ready to go. There's a lot of gold dust out around the house. Yeah, yeah, everything's there. Oh, it's a big deal in heaven. You're coming home. And you're a prince. So that's a second thing. Then it says we're not only royalty. It says we're a priest. Now, i got to quit here in a second. Let me just tell you, did you know that you are a believer priest? You're a priest. Back before the, the, uh, the before Sinai, and, uh, back before Egypt, the head of every home was the priest of that home. Then, after the children of Israel left e Egypt, and they were out in the desert, God said to them through Moses, said, I'll make all of you priests if you'll obey me. But they didn't do that. So then he shut up the priesthood through the family of Aaron. And they became the priests. And every year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies. That was a place that was completely private. No one went in there. If you went in there, you were struck dead. And in that Ark, which is a box, in that ark were the Ten Commandments of Moses, Aaron's rod, some manna, and there it was. And over it were fashioned, gold-fashioned cherubim, angels, special angels. And right there was what was called the Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory was where God dwelt among men here on this earth at that time. So there it was. And once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with a basin of blood and some hyssop. And he would sprinkle the blood on the ark, on the lid. And that lid was called the judgment seat. And when he would sprinkle the blood on that lid, it became the mercy seat. And that's where the priest would make intercession for God's people. He interceded for them. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he became our supreme sacrifice. And at that time, God 
rent the veil, a big, heavy, heavy curtain called a veil. He rent the veil from top to bottom. He split it open, going into the Holy of Holies, because now the Holy Spirit dwells in our lives. Every believer has the Holy Spirit, has God in us through the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus Christ with us through the Holy Spirit. He's in the heart and the life of every believer. And so that makes us priests because we don't have to go through an intermediary. We don't have to go through a high priest. We don't have to go through a Catholic priest. We can go straight to God because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We are the, now the temple of, of God. And it makes us really special. And we have a ministry as priests. We have the ministry of praise where we can come to God and praise Him for who He is. I hope that you do that. I have really been conscious of that lately and I've tried to spend a lot of time when I come to the Lord in prayer to praise Him, to thank Him for who He is and to let Him know that I realize how awesome He is. I, I praise God. And if you want to say, well, what should I say when I pray? Look up some passages in the Old Testament. There's a lot in the Old Testament. The book of Psalms and Proverbs and other books praising God for who He is. Now, God already knows who He is, but He sure likes us to know it. So, uh, that's one of our ministries. We come to God in praise. Uh, we come to God with our gifts. We come to God with our finances. We come into Him. And we, we present our financial gifts to Him. And then another thing we do, which is really, 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 really important, is we have the ministry of intercession. Intercession, here's what intercession is. This is really important. Intercession is where you and I pray for someone else, for their need. It may be a human need, maybe a financial need, maybe a physical need. It may be a spiritual need. The spiritual need is really important. And we come to them and we pray for someone. We come to God on their behalf. Because we are priests. And we have the right to go into the Holy of Holies. We have a right to come before God. Just like the Old Testament high priest did. We have the right to come before God and intercede for others like the high priest did. And when Jesus died on the cross, he did the ministry of intercession. He said, you know, for God, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And so we have the right to come and intercede for others. That's the highest form, in my opinion, of prayer. And here's something that's really important about this, Christian. Intercessory prayer is so designed by God that if God answers our prayer, we don't get credit for it. Nobody knows about it but us and God. 
We don't get the glory for it. We will be rewarded for it in due season. But we don't do it so everybody will pat us on the back. If you're a preacher like me, you don't get up and use it as a 10-minute illustration bragging on myself. You know, I prayed for so-and-so, and I said, God healed this person, and God healed him. Intercessory prayer is something very private between you and the Lord when you come to him on behalf of someone else who's in need. And God hears your prayers, and God answers. So it's, it's, a, it's a great thing that God has done for us. He has chosen us. He has made us royalty. He's made us believer priests because he loves us. Because he wants the very best for us. So be encouraged. I'm going to say this one last thing and then I'm through. There are a lot of senior citizens here today and I'm one. And I have a lot of senior citizens that come to me and they're discouraged because they don't know why they're here. You know, you don't have the physical stamina or ability to do what you once did. And not only that, you're working with a generation that's two or three generations younger than you who would rather identify with somebody that's more their own age. And a lot of people say to me, you know, why doesn't the Lord just take me on home? I'm ready to go. I'm just waiting for the trump. I got everything in order. I'm just waiting to check out. Why am I still here? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know why we are still here. But I know this. God has still got a plan for you that you probably do not know about and you will not know about it until you see the Lord. But it's important. And you just keep doing what you've been doing day by day. The greatest prayer warriors in this church have gray hair. If you have any hair. The stalwarts, the mature Christians in this church have gray hair. The people who know the most about intercessory prayer have gray hair. So don't get discouraged and don't second guess God. Just rejoice in what God's got for you to do. Okay? That's not prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that, Lord, you've chosen us. You've made us part of your family. You've made us believer priest. You have a plan for us. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to strengthen us, bless this church, help us to grow, help us to reach out and reach the lost. Lord, do your work. Please, we pray for your, pa uh, your pastor here, Pastor Green, that he'll heal quickly and get well, and Lord, uh, use us to glorify you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. For more information about Victory Baptist Church or trusting Christ as your Savior and following Him, 
please visit our website at victoryarizona.org or send an email to victory at victoryarizona.org.